0: Hey, this is Allie. And this is Matt. And you're listening to Brew
1: Roots. The podcast that brings you the stories behind your favorite beers.
0: They say a picture is worth a thousand words, but arguably a beer is worth a thousand stories. So stay tuned and hear the stories behind your favorite beers. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, welcome back.
1: Yes, episode two, we made it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we made it all the way from episode one. We've made it to episode two of season two of Brutes. Yeah, uh,
1: the overall support and uh, you know, people who subscribed and listened has been super humbling for both Allie and I so we thank you. We hit 800 followers on Instagram at uh, Brewroots. If you guys are listening, please give us a follow.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. There's been a lot of support and um, a lot of people are reaching out so we appreciate all of that. We look at all of the comments, all of the messages. Uh, we love you guys so just want to say thanks before we talk about anything else yeah you guys are number one
1: yeah so those people who are listening for the first time uh we interviewed riverwalk brewing company last week you know, i'm steve sanderson all the way in newbury port massachusetts and uh it was a really cool episode so i encourage you guys to listen if you uh after this episode
0: definitely yeah, so yeah you ha- should go check it out
1: so how have you been allie
0: been uh pretty good i mean it's been a crazy two weeks you know it's kind of crazy doing this bi-weekly because i feel like we have been interviewing tons of breweries um doing a lot of stuff trying to keep up on social media and yet we've only had one episode out and we've put in a lot of work so i'm really excited for the stuff to be coming out and for you guys to hear what we've been working on
1: yeah and ali you're on a vacation right now aren't you (laughs)
0: yes this is glorious february vacation in massachusetts here
1: yeah it's like 70 degrees where we are right now at roots headquarters i'm wearing a short sleeve shirt and the, the it's gonna sliding get door is tomorrow. open yeah. the
0: windows are open the snow is melting last week we got like uh, not even like a few days ago we yeah, got, got like eight inches like a of f- snow. snow pretty much and uh yeah it's a lot of water here right now but uh we're pretty excited
1: yeah ali have you been drinking anything in particular any good beers lately
0: Um, I mean, uh, gosh, don't put me on the spot like that.
1: Well, I I will tell you what I've been drinking. I'm I'm pretty certain you will agree. I've been drinking a lot of True North.
0: Oh yes, good stuff. And they're in Ipswich, Ipswich, Massachusetts.
1: So so check out the guys at True North, because I love their beer, and they're going to be on an episode coming up pretty soon.
0: I was going to say that might be a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert.
1: Sneak peek into uh, True North. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty good. Yeah. We don't want to get too much into the future. Let's talk about the now Allie. Let's the talk now. about the now.
0: All right. So, I'm pretty sure the now is going to be actually really exciting. I know it's only episode 2, but we're putting it into two parts. So, two. instead of bi-weekly, this is going to be a weekly episode. Yes. And
1: this is I and mean, for the record, this is going to be our only you know, uh, consecutive week Exception episode. Yeah, role. yeah, because we had so much content, and it aligns with a special event for Gentile. And we're not gonna, we're not gonna spoil that like we did a previous guest. But <laughs> we are gonna let you know that this episode, there's a lot of passion in this episode. So you, you know, sit down, listen, and really enjoy it because, uh, like this is probably, and no offense to anyone else we've interviewed, this is probably my favorite episode thus far. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to for you guys to listen
0: yeah Paul has a lot of spirit and uh, he's got a lot to talk about there's a lot of passion and uh you know even if you're not a brewer if you just like drinking beer you'll definitely feel the excitement that he has and the love that he has for his craft so a lot of fun listening to Gentilly for sure
1: yeah so Gentilly Brewing is located in Beverly Massachusetts it's a husband and wife organization uh and uh well don't give away too much I don't want to give you too much but um (laughs) should we just go on to the episode definitely awesome i just want to leave you with this this is the kind of their mission statement which is on their website we believe good beer should be enjoyed and not fussed over and i definitely think you can hear that in this episode definitely so uh without further ado we give you paul Gentili from
0: Gentilly brewing company
1: enjoy the episode guys all right so we know a lot about divergent and we know a little bit about the beer you make but i have no clue anything about you paul and yep. that's what we're here for so right off the bat Tell us about yourself, your role here at Gentile, Yep. Okay. your first memory
2: of beer. <clears throat> so I like I liked the first memory of beer question. Okay. Um, so I'll just start there and kind of lead us in a little bit more. Um, so my first, like, true memory of just beer in general was um, my father loved Bolson Golden. Okay. <laughs> that was his favorite beer. Uh, And he always had a 12-pack in the fridge. Um, And I only remember him having a beer on, like, Friday night. Like, Friday, with dinner, he'd have his one Molson Golden (laughs) 12-ounce bottle, and he'd pour it into his frosty mug that he kept in the freezer. My dad's always had a mustache, and he still does. So he has this special left-handed mug with a mustache bar <laughs> to keep the foam out of his mustache so i that's my my true first like memory that involves beer um there are many mem- fuzzy memories yeah. that involve beer <laughs> later on yes. but that is the first like clear i don't know you know what i was eight yep you know yep. just that's i just remember that um and you know i get to take a sip of the foam and like you know that mm-hmm. yeah. that so that's so That all happened so I grew up in Connecticut Um, my father was an electrician um, and my mother stayed at home for a number of years and then when myself and my siblings got older she went to work so um, basically it was you know I had a you know my mother stayed at home until I was almost in high school Mm -hmm. Uh, and then um, my dad worked as an electrician owned his own business so I saw I benefited from um, my father owning his own business because he was able to set his schedule, so he was my little league coach mm-hmm. from t-ball straight through until you know I I aged out at age 18. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know I played baseball right through then. So having, he was my, he was my coach the whole time, and he also coached my sister in in baseball and then in softball, and then he coached my brother. So it was like this whole I was I knew the whole self employment aspect to his life benefited my life because yeah. I got to spend that time um, and then um, and my mother you know held down the fort you know she was she was making dinners, she was keeping things moving she was getting us to practice mm-hmm. you know she was getting us to school sometimes like she was which doing all, almost just as hard of a job which is, which is, which is just is, as hard it's not is harder, a harder yeah. job yeah. because kids are the worst I love my <laughs> yes. children now but <laughs> they are so you know, I, I saw the dynamic of the two of them and how the my father's business and my mother's support helped create this really rich environment for, for, for me to grow up in. So that was all happening in Connecticut. Um, I went to college um, down in Maryland. Um, and then as I got older in college and, and was out of college, is when I started to be able to afford beer other than you know Milwaukee's best uh-huh. um, oh, yeah. you know so uh, the first the first couple that I remember having was a Sam Adams lager uh, and then um, and then Guinness okay uh, those were the first two like as I came out of like college fog uh-huh. um, those were the first two that kind of I fe- I was able to find because um, you know I graduated college in 2002 so craft beer was already around, but it wasn't huge yet like it is now. Um, So that experience kind of led me to say, huh, beer can have flavor. Uh, This is an interesting thing. And then in uh, 2005, um, my mother, uh, for my birthday that year, bought me a uh, homebrew kit. So then I started monkeying around uh, with that, and uh, the first batch I made was a uh, Irish stout. Um, so, I didn't really know what I was doing. I, the way so I'm I'm a uh, I got a degree uh, in engineering. Oh, yeah. So I'm a civil am civ- a civil engineer um, by schooling. Yep. Uh, and I did it for a year, and I was like, I ah, whatever. And then I was in school for my master's in education. So I'm overeducated, underemployed. Is, <laughs> you know, the constant joke. So. Um, when i was
1: it's a good way to put it it's (laughs) it's
2: what it is um so i i like science uh i like math um and i do well when i can take my time and read and understand something and then execute on it and trial and then then it's trial and error so i read a few books uh to get the gist i read the recipe like a hundred times and then i went set up and i did it uh and the beer came out great, um, and it was actually the same so that was in November. the beer was ready by the new year, and I actually met my wife, Kristen, who is you know my partner in this whole experience, um, met her that weekend and wow. she and I brought a big um, you know i think it was like a two liter wine bottle that had the stout in it, and that's what we one of the things we had. For that New Year's, and she had that first batch of beer. Wow! Um, And then we ended up dating, and then on down the line, three kids later. So, in a brewery. Um, So that's kind of how I started in brewing, and then uh, I my path led me to a job at Ipswich uh, in two thousand eight. So I got a job. Did you
1: come up? From Connecticut to this area, Maryland to this area?
2: I came up from Connecticut to this area, and then um, I was a teacher up here for a year. And while I was a teacher, I kind of took the job at the brewery, uh, at the Ipswich Jail Brewery. And then finished out the school year, and literally school ended at the end of June. Mm -hmm. And I started working on the bottling line at Ipswich on July 1. Wow. I was like, I am out of that and I'm into this. Right. And then that was, and I was there for seven years. Wow. So once
0: you started working at Ipswich, you knew that yeah. that's definitely well, what you wanted you know, to do.
2: I, it, I did. Um, at that point, I liked the fact that it was different than what I was doing. Sure. Um, it was hands-on. It was very physical. Um, I was able to, you know, talk to people my own age. I was able to swear. Uh, I could have a beer with lunch, you know, there <laughs> all of these things that like I wasn't able to do, uh, in my previous employment really appealed to me. Right, um, yeah. the physicality of it was the biggest thing. I was so, uh, over, um, the mental exhaustion of, you know, lesson planning oh, and yeah. like trying to make people, trying to make kids behave. Like it was like, it was a lot. I feel you. Yeah. I'm a teacher, of, and it's, of, it's, it's very overbearing. I'm <laughs> yeah. an engineer, so I work as an engineer. So I'm your half, and then, I'm right. then the teaching so, half. Yeah. So you get, you get where I'm coming from from that aspect. You have to have a mindset every day to to do it, yes. right? And I was in it every day, and I was like, I, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not for me. This is not working. I can do it. But you'll be miserable. Um, but I'm miserable. Yeah. I'm miserable doing it. And if you are, then what's the point, right? right. That It right. came back to that. So I was like found this job and they wanted me to work there and I was like well I can do this I can do this I can I can tape boxes and I can lift cases and I can learn how to run machinery and you know learn the process of working in a brewery and the whole thing that it goes through so I did you know I did the whole bottling and cellaring aspect for uh, a year and change before I was even allowed to touch anything in the brew house Um, so so yeah so then I then I learned how to brew like really, brew. Home brewing has you can learn a lot by home brewing, but I feel like nothing prepares you for operating a production brewery than working in a production brewery. Of That's course, yeah. for me. That was the best way. That was the only way to learn because mm-hmm. I was able to see how all the pieces connected as it was actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to learn that firsthand. And it was huge. Once I started brewing, I was that was then. (laughs) Then I really knew, because that was the missing piece for me, right? So the production and the heavy lifting and all that, I can do it. It's not. It wasn't as mentally taxing. The brewing, you get a lot more into the ins and outs, and then also the fermentation. Um, So when I started doing that, that's when my my science mind kicked on, and I really started asking a lot of crazy questions. Because I was trying to learn, like I, I wanted to make the beers that I was making at the Ipswich Brewery better. So I'm trying to get in the inside and figure out how it all works. So I was, I was, I asked a lot of questions. That's awesome. You know. yeah. <laughs> that's nope. the best way to learn. I, twi- I feel twi- like twenty a day minimum. Oh yeah. yeah. Like I was just, uh, you know, it was must have been exhausting. Dealing <laughs> I, was, I just, I was trying to absorb it all, I was trying to put it all together. Yeah.
0: Okay, I mean, just like what has been the biggest challenge in this whole um, experience for you, just starting your own brewery and, and getting mm-hmm. it going?
2: Um, time and money is a big challenge. Um, you know, we tried to plan it and pace it accordingly. Um, trying to not overspend, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy because things cost a lot of money. Yeah. And it's. Um, hard to resist sometimes getting things that you might not need right away. Um, so that, so kind of like stopping that whole train mm-hmm. from getting out of control was, was something. Um, we operated with a, you know, a limited capacity when we first started. Um, we, I only had three two-barrel tanks when I first got started. Um, so managing the production of the beer accordingly and making sure that I had the beer that I needed when I needed it was a challenge. Um, and then as we grew, you know, trying not to get too excited. Like, oh man, people are coming in. They love the beer. This is great. You know, that's what you want. But then it's very easy to get ahead of yourself mm-hmm. and overspend. And I'm hopeful that I haven't done that yet. And even, you know, I talked to my accountant, and he's like, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're fine. You're crazy. You should be spending more, and I. But I can't. You know, I yeah. can't. In my head, I can't wrap my head around that. You know, going into debt and it all. It just oh, doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. Doesn't feel right to me. So I pump the brakes. So we deal. We do with what we can with what we have. And and that was that's the biggest challenge. And you know, not overspending the money, but maybe sacrificing a little bit of time mm-hmm. in the process, or you know. I think we're getting there now. We we made some investments last year um, in larger tanks um, specifically, um, and that's helped us pace out our production better and also allowed us to do a variety of beers. So we kind of introduced um, the diversion that you're having last year, but knowing that we would be expanding, so. It gives us. I mean, dry hop. I wasn't going to do dry hop beers, because I didn't have the tank. Right. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't take a set a tank aside for three weeks, and have a dry hop beer. Right. That's ferment, a big investment. Dry, yeah. Of time. hmm Oh
3: right?
0: yeah.
2: It's let alone the ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> it's the time that I was really more focused on. So like trying to like get the right equipment in place so that I could take the time and make those beers that I knew that people wanted. I like them to a certain extent, but the customers, and especially in this market, and what drives it, yeah, that's what the, yeah. that's what people come in for, uh, all the time. So I was like, I gotta put something like that out, yep. but how do I do it creatively, uh, and how do I find the time to do it? Yeah. So it was it was an investment in equipment to like make that all happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say that beer is that you guys are known for? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think divergent is 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 getting there but what's funny about it is that it it, it changes, it changes. Yeah. so it's like you know some people are like oh man i really love that divergent and i go okay that's good thank you but which one was it right like oh, yeah. right so it's yep. like it's kind of weird like that but for some people they don't even care because what they're after is a dry hopped american style ipa right. right so it doesn't matter what it is that's what they're after, so that's what they like. Mm-hmm. So, people like that branded beer, mm-hmm. but they don't really necessarily know. Maybe one batch is better for the them specifics, than the other. Yeah. right? So, yep. so that one, and then um, of the year-round beers, um, people really gravitate to the porter. With the people that that say the most, like, man, that porter was really good, which that's fun for me because uh, mm-hmm. that was uh, the that recipe. The porter recipe is based on the first recipe that I ever created when I was homebrewing um, and just got into all grain. It was my first all grain recipe. And I just kind of put it together myself and I brewed it and I called it a dunkel because I was using lager yeast. Mm-hmm. And I also, I never played with lager yeast, so I kind of did it both at the same time. Um, and, uh, and that beer came out really great. So when I was here, I was like, well, I'm not going to do lagers right away because I don't have the tank time spend on the lager so I said I'm going to take that recipe and I'm just going to basically swap the yeast and Mm -hmm. I'm going to make it a a dark ale. Well I didn't want to call it a dark ale because I just came from Ipswich and they had a dark ale which was delicious which got um, they stopped making it by the time I left but it still felt weird so I'm like I'm not going to call it dark ale and it's a different beer anyway so I'm going to call it a porter and then I'm also going to have a stout on the menu here because I think breweries should be able to have both of those things there shouldn't be porters that are actually stouts and stouts that are actually porters. They mm-hmm. should be two unique beers. Right. To, to me. Yeah. Uh, so so we have that. But then uh, what's a, the Blondale that we have year-round um, is uh, that's the sleeper favorite for people who homebrew, which is really funny. That, a lot of people come in, they make their own beer, and for some reason, of all the beers that are on the list, they order the Blond. Really? <laughs> it's the funniest thing. Yeah. Hmm. It's a simple light easy drinking beer it's clean the flavors are good and fresh and it's something that they're not making at home is really what i think it comes down to yeah right right you know when you're home brewing and when you really get into home brewing um a lot of people just try to get weird right because that's the whole point yeah like experiment i'm not gonna buy make something that i can buy Mm
3: -hmm.
2: i'm gonna make something that's my own and just monkey around right Mm -hmm. so they're making, you know, quadruple dry hopped, you know, triple IPAs, <laughs> <Yep>. aged <laughs> on oak chips with. You know, it's, it just gets out of control, mm-hmm. right? And they love it because they made it, and their friends love it because they made it. But at the end of the day, they're like, I just want. Can I just have the blonde ale? Yeah. <laughs> right. Can I just have that? And they come in and they and they drink that. So it's like, so that's kind of funny. It's Which put- is fun for us because it's a nice, simple, easy beer to make. And it's delicious, and we like drinking it year-round, so everyone else is too.
3: Yeah.
0: What, like, flipped the switch for you where you were working at Ipswich, and you were like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to open my own.
2: So the longer I worked there, the more I understood – I was starting to understand the business of making beer. Um, I knew – I learned the mechanics. uh, I learned the art and science through the brewing – but then I also started to learn the business side of it, um, the cost of things, the timelines, how product moves from the brew house to the shelves. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I saw that whole timeline and progression. And um, so I really started to get a good understanding of that, of the whole of the whole piece. Um, there were a couple of holes, obviously, as there will be because you just don't know everything, right? Right. That, that's, that's, the, that's it. Um, and then I also started to think about all the people in my life that I knew that could help me fill in those gaps. Um, legal, accounting, um, engineering and architecture and design and marketing and like all of those pieces, I knew, I knew someone. Mm-hmm. So even if I didn't know it, I had someone I could call and ask basically for free. Right? So that's yeah. huge, right? I guess when you get started and you have no money, like I got no people. And I, I I as I thought about it, I knew someone for everything. I was like, "Huh. Okay, well that's cool." <laughs> so that helps, right? Um and then the the linchpin for the whole uh the whole operation was um when the the state of Massachusetts changed the law to allow farmer brewers to obtain pouring permits outside of the city quotas. They didn't allow that until July of 2014, somewhere in there. Oh, okay. That was, when they made that change, if you look back at the data of mass breweries in Massachusetts, oh, yeah. skyrocketed. it skyrocketed yeah. Yeah, I bet, after yeah. they did that. I mean, it was just plugging along steady a couple of year, mm-hmm. and then it was 20, 30, just boom, 50, just, <laughs> boom it yep. just spiked. Because they made it economically viable for a small operation to sell their beer direct to consumer and create a community around their beer, mm-hmm. where before you had to invest millions in, in, a, in a production space and or hundreds, tens of hundreds of thousands, maybe more in branding and marketing and recipe development and all of that Mm -hmm. to take that beer, to take that brand to a contract brewer to then have them produce it for you. And then you have to sell it to a distributor. So now you're at the volume game, right? So it just wasn't, you couldn't do that Mm -hmm. on a, on a, on a quick, at a quick pace. They changed that law. Then you start a brewery, you start making beer, people come to you. The end. And awesome. that's that's the model that I wasn't going in that direction. You just fell into it. I mm-hmm. kind of fell into it. I was going into the more like brew pub y type thing because to me that was the lowest cost of entry, which is foolish because it's not. <laughs> but that in my head, that's I was like, all right, I like beer and I like food. Let's do a brew pub. Small, small brewing, smaller brewing system and people coming in, sitting down, eating food, drinking the beer at the end.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I didn't like the model because you're basically running a restaurant and I don't know how to run a restaurant. I didn't even know how to run a brewery, <laughs> let but, alone a restaurant. <laughs> so I was like, I don't like this model, but it's the only choice I have. I'm not going to put in, you know, a 30 barrel brew house and try to, you know, or more mm. and try to get beer on the shelves. Like that's insane to me. Mm-hmm. So like that wasn't even an option they changed that law i was like all right i can i can pare this way down mm-hmm. so i went from you know a seven barrel brew pub idea concept to two barrel production two barrel production brewery three tanks that's it yeah tables bar six taps that's which it. we recently upgraded to eight Ooh. big deal <laughs> big deal um and and that's
1: and you know so that's that was the all right, I guess you guys are going to have to wait until next week to hear the rest of this episode.
0: Yeah, I know, which kind of stinks because you're really good going with them. You get in the mood. You're like, yeah, all right, Paul knows what he's talking about. and uh, But it'll be worth the wait for sure.
1: Yeah, we kind of set it up, so that's kind of the past. That's how we got to today. And the next episode features, you know, the t- today and the, f- in the future for Paul and Gentilly Brewing.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, so coming up tomorrow, February 22nd, we have... The release of smash
0: yeah um gentilly is going to be releasing smash which is you know it's pretty local they're using hops that are grown exclusively in northfield mass so it's it's nice to have that um, you know that local support in the in the field
1: yeah and paul is pretty excited to share this with the world so i know uh we're excited to try it
0: yeah definitely they like to experiment there a lot and i think this is going to be a really nice flavor
1: yeah, and I think the next one's not within my diet, and I'm not, I am not—I don't know if I'm going to skip it, <laughs> but <laughs> there's going to be a food truck distributing grilled cheese. I don't know what could be better, beer and grilled cheese. I don't think there is
0: a better combination.
1: Beer and more beer. Beer and more beer. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that's Saturday, this Saturday coming up, February 24th. Mm-hmm. So, so go check it out. All right, and if you guys are interested in any of these events, Gentilly Brewing can be found at 59 Park Street, Unit 1 in Beverly, Mass., 01915.
0: You'll definitely see the big, um, the sign outside. It has like G for Gentilly, and then it's also near the Beverly train station.
1: Yep. So their hours of operation are Thursday, four p.m. to ten p.m., Friday, four p.m. to ten p.m., and then Saturday, noon to ten p.m.
0: All right. So don't forget they're releasing Smash, and there's also on Saturday there's going to be a food truck there with grilled cheeses.
1: All right. So let's just give some plugs for us and uh, where you can find us. So please rate and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google. That helps us out like more than you can even imagine. We want to get some more visibility and get some more g- awesome guests on. So you guys doing that is going to help us out immensely. Where else can you find us, Allie?
0: Oh, um, my personal favorite is Instagram at Brewroots. But we also have a Facebook page, which is um, facebook.com slash Brewroots, And you can also find us at brewroots.com and listen to our podcast via the um – link was a soundcloud link
1: and i'm slowly trying to get a little bit better at our twitter which is at so give us a follow and maybe you can encourage us to get a little bit better into the twitter sphere maybe all right so we're going to give you a little bit of a sneak peek of next week's episode so here's a little 15 second clip to lead you guys out and uh cheers cheers we'll catch you next week